Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to the final podcast. And it's a small bit subdued after the result that we had at the weekend. One that I don't think either myself or Paddy or probably anybody that's listening really and truly saw coming a 3 2 loss at Watford. But uh, we're here hopefully to break it down and to, and to show you guys essentially why we lost this game at the weekend and also to have a little chat about one or two other little things that have been going on in and around for the park over the last few days. Paddy, how's tricks with you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just made my way back up north gingerly after uh, the weekend and the bad result. And it's uh, my four and a half hour drive gave me a lot to think about with Villa Wise. So uh, can't say I'm any um, any more calm than I was on Saturday. But I'll be a little bit more measured in in in, uh, in how I respond anyway. I would no Villa fan should have been allowed on their own for four and a half hours and uh, <laughs> over the weekend after that result because um, well if they were you they should have taken your belt and your shoelaces <laughs> because uh, I shouldn't make jokes about that but uh, it's uh, you know it wasn't exactly something that we saw coming and I think it was more so the flatness of the performance really Paddy this um it's, uh, you know, they, they, that really kind of killed it for me, I think. You know, the performance was flat. It was flat in the first half. In the second half, I thought it was really good. And we're going to take a look at a couple of uh, at a couple of examples, I think, why we got overrun. And, uh, you know, we'll discuss really the game. But I suppose just an overall high-level summary of a Paddy. We came out of the blocks not really fully com- confident or sure what we were doing. Uh, Watford had one game plan and one game plan only. They executed it to to a T, and we found ourselves two goals down before half time. And from there on, we were going to find it difficult to come back against the team that were newly promoted with a full stadium, and were able to pretty much put six people on the on the edge of their area. Well, th- that just about sums it up. Um, I don't buy into the fact that they were playing at home because I thought they were very subdued. Uh, both sets of fans I thought were very quiet. Mm. Maybe Watford were absolutely shocked that they were training up. I don't know, um, but I thought I thought their fans were were very quiet. So I, I don't think that was a mitigating factor. Um, we just weren't up to it early on, and the 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 goal just before half time killed us effectively. I know the third one obviously ultimately undone us. But I think to go in at halftime one nil down, you have some chance of uh, of resurrecting things. But it just felt like the game was over at halftime. Yeah, and and for me, I I suppose one thing I want to say here that there's been a lot of hyperbole, there's been a lot of uh, spitting feathers, and that's absolutely okay. I think 
I think the day after the game and maybe directly after the game is probably the time to do that. But when you sit down in the cold light of day and you look at it, I think all the problems we saw on Saturday are ultimately fixable. I think they're fixable with with 48 hours um, training, uh, tactics board material, looking back in the game. I think it's very, very easily fixable. And I think it all stems down and it boils down to, to two players and neither of them are the fullbacks. I think the fullbacks didn't play well and that's absolutely fine. And we're going to take a look at something here as to the reason why they didn't play well and that really did stem from midfield. So Paddy, do you want to start? Will we start with that first or do you want to go into your... Uh, do you, do you want to talk about the loanies first? Or oh, we do that? Keep going, keep going. Cool. Get the bad news out of the way anyway. Get the bad news out of the way first, yeah. So let me just bring up one or two little pieces here. I've been busy trying to pull out my... Um, if only we could play video, as what I've always said on this podcast, if only we could play video here and didn't get uh, struck down by copyright laws, uh, I think I'd have a lot more fun uh, on the podcast because I love looking at video. I love looking at, the, at tape to see what the um what went wrong and what went right and what didn't go at all for for within the games or within the different lines that we have so let me just share a little, uh, a little something that i put together i put together some still images to try i hope uh will try and um and illustrate what happened at aston villa so first of all let's look take a look at, at the game stats from the weekend um, realistically, everything bar shots and actually working the goalkeeper, which, yes, I know, ultimately wins games. We were by far the more dominant team. We dominated the ball. We dominated possession. We do we, we had the better chances to score goals. Um, you know, we win more passes. Our pass success rate was really good. Everything from a statistical point of view, bar the actual scoreline, was uh, was something I think that Dean Smith can look at and and and, and can see progress from last year, specifically um, on how we play against a team like Watford. It's especially I think the the possession stat, sixty two percent to thirty eight percent. That's often been us, except flipped around last season. You know, we've often come into games thirty eight percent and come away with these smash and grab wins. Yeah. So I think Watford did an awful lot of what we did to teams last season but we need to be a bit more savvy and a bit more um i suppose a bit more grown up with regards to how we work with uh with teams that we're supposed to beat and that's something i think myself and paddy spoke about spoke about beforehand one of the big numbers that, that kind of kicks out at me here paddy and and is the amount of crosses like we crossed the ball twenty six times? It, to me, it didn't feel like we crossed the ball twenty six times on on no, Saturday. What what either. did you think of it? It it doesn't feel like we had six shots on target either. <laughs> Bearing in mind that John McGinn's goal was the four shot on target after seventy minutes, so uh, to get six shots on target, I'm actually scratching my head to, to where they came from. Mm. But um, it's you know the, the the facts there speak for themselves. We we did boss the game. The second half we bossed it apart from their third goal, I suppose. Um, I don't remember there being twenty six crosses. Obviously, Eddie, can I take you? Can I take you out of your misery? I just realised the six should be in the Watford side and the four should be in the Villa side. <laughs> <laughs> so you did. You aren't going stark mad crazy. We slid four shots at target though. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even remember the fourth one <laughs> or the or the third one for that matter. So. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was ultimately the, the, the of, of all of the statistics that jo their first shot on target was after 70 minutes uh, against a team that was just promoted. I think that was a pretty poor showing from us. Mm. Um, I, th I think it might take a lot more than 24 or 48 hours for them to go over this and, and work on it. But, uh, you know, it'll be... I don't think so. It'll be a completely different proposition that they need to work with next weekend. So maybe the team is picked for that. But um, it's uh, it, it was grim watching. It was grim watching the first half, and for for peri for a, a period of the set of the start of the second half, we we were grim. When when the initial um, when the initial hit of Jacob Ramsey coming on, he he was fizzing around the place for about seven or eight minutes. When he came on, I thought we died a death then for a while, um, and then gradually grew back into the game after they scored the third goal. But you know, twenty six crosses. That's you know, that's going back to the days against uh, uh, Burnley, <laughs> the day they beat us. It's, um, you know, I, I, I don't, there was nothing from them. You know, the fact that we four shots on target, I honestly don't remember any other shot on target other than the two that went in. Let's look at our positioning map. This is why we lost at the weekend. And I'm going to I'm going to show a couple of explanations. We our setup was all over the place, especially in midfield. 
And what we can see here is, and yes, I'm going to make a little caveat here. This looks an awful lot worse due to the fact that Bundia was pulled down in midfield and put into put in um, at right, uh, we call it right wing or, or advanced on the right-hand side. And also Ashley Young was pulled back here. So in reality, where we see number 18 here is further up the field and where we see number 10 here is, is, uh, is further to the right. But what I'm looking at here is, the, number one, the massive gap between our two centre halves. Is absolutely huge, and that's been that's realistically the reason for that is because number three, Matty or, or Matty Target, was so far up the field, and number two, Matty Cash was, was was that bit further up the field as well. But the biggest problem that we see here is that the amount of grass in between um, Matty or Matty Target and uh, basically Danny Ings here. So it's 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 a bit of an issue. It's a small bit skewed, but we'll be able to see it in real life, uh, in, in in real life example from the match. What I'm talking about here, and how basically Matt Target was lamb to the slaughter. There was no like it would have been very difficult for any left back to be able to to cope with any winger that had a bit of pace running at them with the amount of grass that they had in front of them. If we look at this, the the, the midfield setup was just so wrong. And it was so, the positioning of them were so poor. Barjan McGinn, who was basically just hearing from sideline to sideline, trying to make something happen, trying to cover for other people's problems. I thought Nakamba's positioning was just absolutely woeful. And you're going to see that in a moment. Look back to the last two uh, wins that we had last season against Spurs and against Chelsea. So here's the positioning map of the Spurs game. We can see a nice little triangle there in the middle of midfield. Uh, we can see that Nakamba was further back. We can see less of a gap between our two centre halves, which is nice to see. And uh, we, uh, in this instance, we had no Matty Cash, but Ezri Kanza was back a small bit further. So we can see we've got that little triangle in front of our back four. You can't pass around that midfield. If you try and go over that midfield, you've got your little stop gap here in the Kamba, number 19, in front of our back four. Um, and that's the way I would like us to play, and that's the way Dean Smith wants us to play, for sure. You want that little triangle so that you can have that pivot in midfield. This, the traditional 6-8-10 is something that Dean Smith liked to play last season, and I I, I think he might have wanted to play that yesterday, but I think the Nakamba and Bundia's positioning was just so far out of out of where it should have been that we weren't able to play that, and our midfield was basically just overrun uh, at will yesterday, or on Saturday, should I say. Looking here as well to our positioning map against Everton, very similar, very similar setup. We can see even with Cash and Target here, Cash is a small bit further forward. He's not past the halfway line where he spent a lot of time against Watford because Watford did invite us back on. Uh, the gap between our two centre halves is okay. Lu Douglas Louise, who I think would be absolutely pivotal now coming back, sits right in that perfect pivot place here so that he can receive that ball from the centre halves. He can act as that anchor. He can, like, even just having somebody there to, to deter straight through balls or to deter those passes into midfield. Somebody like Kuchka at the weekend who was doing awful damage. Um, Louise would have been able to stop him running at the defence or would have been able to stop him from picking up the ball there. We can see a nice tight triangle between himself, Barkley and McGinn here against Everton as well. Ollie Watkins further forward, Bertrand Trory and uh, Anwar Al-Ghazi here. And, and, and the reason I picked this as well here is because Jack Grealish isn't on this team. So this is what I would have expected yeah. our midfield to look like here. I, I think the mitigating factor in this as well, and there's a couple, um, number one, Ollie Watkins obviously wasn't there, mm -hmm. so you're, you're look you're looking you're looking at a, a whole different uh, set of work of work rates there between himself and Danny Ings. Um, I think they're completely different. I, th I think I think he offers more protection. You know, as we're closing down, the Danny Ings probably doesn't. Although I saw a bit more of it from him at the weekend, um, and then the the whole Maddie Target thing was he fit? Should he have started? I think I think he answered the question for us at halftime because taking a player off at halftime is not Dean Smith's style. No, he's never done it before. Uh, I certainly don't remember him doing it before. So um, it, the the only suggestion I can get from that is that he wasn't fit, and if he wasn't fit, he probably shouldn't have played. But that that's for another day. I'm sure we'll find out. So let's take a look at some of the real game examples right. from what we've seen. I know you're talking about the midfield there. I completely agree. No, with you. but you're you're right. Yeah. You're right. Like because yeah. uh, Matty Target, while he may not have been fit, the look his his teammates didn't do him any favors, and we'll see this in the real game examples in a moment. So here is a still shot, 
um, uh, where we can see our midfield is absolutely crazy high. I talked about that little pivot player, Douglas Louise, and uh, I can't actually go back on my side. Oh, I can. So I talked about that little pivot player, Douglas Louise, um, who is who, who would have played there a lot closer to the center halves. When we see this here, we just don't have that player here at all. We've got this wide open area here. Our three cent, our three midfielders are way up high, and you know, look, we can see here that Watford have three people here in a very, very dangerous position. That if the ball breaks down or if Mings goes long, uh, and and you just play the ball into this area, we're 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 gunners like you're, we're goosed there with our pace so it's really like our midfield line is way way too high here you can see here that this isn't the camba or this is um john mcginn that's here and john mcginn is is probably that bit too far away in this instance here but it wasn't his job to be that pivot player at, at, at the weekend it was marvelous nakamba and here is marvelous nakamba all the way over here out just out of shot even further or higher up the field is emmy buendia who's our third midfielder in this instance here why do all our three midfielders need to be here in the attacking third of the field i don't know specifically when we've only got one out ball here which is tyrone mings and this whole the whole lot of the watford team knows exactly what's going to happen here does he go along he most likely does in this instance so you need this pivot player in here we can give out about douglas louise all we want the fact that maybe he wasn't as good last season or he was you know he was a bit off the pace but having that player in here pushes people into you know it keep, keeps him here keeps these people guessing around here and also he is an option to take that ball maybe spray it left or right whereas what's happening here is we're just left with, with Tyrone Mings be, making the decision and while a good enough uh, ball playing center back as he is you know you should never really be in that decision in, in that position here when you're five minutes into a game and uh, you're against the team that's just been uh, just been uh, promoted whereby you're resorting to just pinging the ball up five minutes into a game. I don't I don't see any reason for this whatsoever for this setup. Am I mad no. to think that Paddy? No, you're not you're absolutely right. And you know it's <laughs> the, the the six million dollar question is how is Richarlison fit to start for Everton when we haven't got Douglas Louise? We're two weeks away from an international break or what is it two, is it even two, it's two weeks I think. Mm. So get him back in there and give him a break in two weeks time. He'll be back important. for He's back this weekend. He yeah. is back this weekend. He's back in training today. He was there today. But, you know, he played a match last weekend. He was match fit. Perhaps we should have brought him back. Now, maybe... Well, no, it just doesn't add up because there, there's no protocols there if, if Richarlison could play at the weekend. You know, I, I think he was pivotal to our team. I think he should have been back in there. And that would be my main criticism of not playing Douglas Luiz. Um, Nakamba... Well, I've great time for him. He had some great games last season. He just wasn't at the races. He just he just seemed to be off the pace. He he just seemed like he, his concentration levels were gone. He didn't see his positional sense wasn't there, and he was there because we'd no other option, you know. And that's that's the long and the short of it. And um, we we'd no option off the bench unless you were going to put two and in there, and I'm sure that wasn't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> probably only an emergency at this stage. But look, Douglas Louise missing was huge on Saturday for me. Um, you got you got a guy who just won an Olympic gold medal. I'm sure he's absolutely buzzing. I, I have no idea why he wasn't there. Um. Yeah, and, and and I think I think as well, you know, a lot of people are saying play Carney. Why wouldn't we play Carney if they're old enough? They're, if they're good enough, they're old enough. You, you can't play Carney in that pivot position. It's just not his position. Yeah. And you know, if you bring off Nakamba and you've got Carney, McGinn, and uh, and Bundia in that uh, in that midfield, you know, I know you might as well like what's what's to be lost by trying it. But I, I just don't think it really solves the issue that's there. I think the player that needs to be here is Douglas Louise R.A. Another, we need to find somebody that can go in there. If Nakamba was told to play the way he played it on Saturday, um, I would be absolutely flabbergasted. I would be flummoxed. It would absolutely blow the eyebrows off my face. I'd be so so astounded if he was told to be that. Um, box to box all things to everybody midfielder because uh it, it just makes made no sense looking at him uh, the way that he played and we'll see it if we go on further here so once again we want to look at our midfield line uh here's another one it's just it's moments after this ball was played so the ball was played up we lost we lost uh possession of the ball from from when mings played it up here but once again we see our midfield line is 
we are, we're very, very high. We've got Amy Buendia over here on the left-hand side. We've got Marvellous Nakamba, who's now come back into the centre. And we've got John McGinn here. So, you know, we do have a midfield line, but look how high it is. And look at these two boys over here, uh, these two Watford lads over here. We've got Ashley Young out here on his own, which, you know, was probably who the ball was aimed at. We've got these two Watford guys here. And who's behind them? Only Matty get Matty Target. Like, this is a recipe for disaster five minutes into the game. Our midfield is massively high. And when we look at it here, look at the amount of grass that they have to play in behind. So you've got Young, Bundy, and Nakamba, and McGinn. And look at all that grass. And all that's behind that is Matty Target, Tyrone Mings, and Ezri Konza. Because out of shot here, Matty Cash is very high as well. So it's, it's, it, it's just ill discipline. Like, somebody yeah. needs to be right here. Like and it's not also, rocket science. Also, the other person you're missing that's in that's in that shaded area is the guy who ultimately scores the goal, Dennis. Or yes, Dennis. Dennis yeah. So you've got uh, Sarah and Tom Cleverly, and then Dennis is. You can just see, barely see his foot sticking out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but he, like he he pay, he plays he plays a role in the in the build up to the goal as well as getting the ball out yeah. to Sarah, if I remember correctly. He does. And and Sar just destroys us down that side. So it, it it was naive from the midfield. It's definitely naive. It's definitely not the shape that Dean Smith sent them out for. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, like Nakamba, while his passing has improved and we've seen it in preseason, his passing was very was very good. And I'm not taking that away from him, but his passing at the weekend was absolutely abysmal. He was like he was like a guy who was thrown a duck out of water completely. And I don't mean to go in on him because I, I, I still think there's a future there for him. But uh, he needs, oh yeah, we're he, not selling just, him. Like no, no, he need, he just he just needs to wise up now because uh, we we're, we're going to need him more often than than he thinks. So um, it this has to be a squad rotation system for us to push on. So yeah. he has to be part of it. So he has to get up to speed. I I've on, I I'm I'm at a loss to how bad he was. I, I, you know, it's just. There's no, as you say, there's no way he was told to play that high up the pitch. I just no. can't see any logical explanation for him being there. There's no need for him to even in, join the attack. Like the correct place for him now is probably in between those two players over on the right hand or the, their their attacking right hand side. So splitting the two of those and and going and attacking whatever ball comes or or, or closing down whoever runs with it, whatever the case. Absolutely. Is. And this is this is only within the first five minutes. The goal doesn't come until ten minutes, but the precursor was yes. there. The precursor for what happened was there, and it was there yeah. early. You know, we were we were throwing people forward, and maybe that was the game plan to say, all right, put them under pressure, force them. They're going to be nervous. We'll try and get an early goal. Smith likes to get early goals. No one scored more more goals in the first fifteen minutes than Aston Villa last season. I think I saw that stat somewhere. But this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work from like you're going to leave yourself massively open. And when we look even further here, this isn't the build up to the goal. So this is the build up in, in, in to the to the first goal as well. Look at all the green area that's there. Like, look at it. it's to me, this is this is madness. We've got now marvelous Nakamba in and around the center circle. I think he should be maybe 10 yards back further here. He should be coming back to almost form a back three with his uh with, with, yeah. with his two center halves. I think if he's going to be defensively minded, considering that if we if we move on to the next one here, we've got Matt Target who's under pressure, we've got John McGinn here right beside him, we've got Marvis Nakamba, who to me is a bit out in the middle of nowhere. Probably we're talking about him coming back to coming back maybe about ten yards from where he well, is. Well, he should be he should be on the heels of. De I should presume that's Dennis there in the middle. Yeah, he should be he should be on his heel his heel sitting in front of the back two mm -hmm. at that stage when we've lost the ball. But it, it just seemed a bit pedestrian every time we lost the ball. Buendia was guilty of it. McGinn McGinn as always is busting a gut to get back there. But I thought I thought Buendia and Nakamba were guilty of not getting back quick enough. And in fairness to Buendia. When they did eventually score the third goal, he he did put in the work to get back. Mm. So may, maybe there was we a flea in the air at halftime. We'll see that in a moment as well because mm. I've got a still shot of where we actually lose the ball there too. And then the next one here, this is the distance between the midfield and uh, the defence again. So that was on 9 minutes and 40 seconds, the last one I showed you. This is 10 minutes and 21 seconds. So we're talking 41 seconds later. We're in exactly the same situation once more. 
exactly the same situation where we've got men hearing back, trying their best to get back because we've left way too much space on the left-hand side and we were all filtered over to one side here. Within this one here, you can see Nakamba once again is miles forward. He's the furthest forward. Um, he, he's way too far forward for a defensive midfielder. Uh, Mandy Target is after getting skinned at this stage and John McGinn is hearing back at you know, breakneck pace. Um, Dennis is right in between Mings and Kanza, which for me... I think Mings and Kanz are actually okay in this position here. Matty Cash has taken up a nice position. He's able to, you know, to marshal anything coming through the middle, which there isn't. The only person who's coming through the middle here is Nakamba, and Nakamba is about 15 yards far, further back than where he should be. He should almost be here in line with McGinn. And that's a big issue because Nakamba doesn't doesn't bust the gut to get back here. And when that second ball falls to, to, to Dennis within the box after the first shot we'll see how far Nakamba was away again and that's where this one that's that's what this um this still shot is of here so the ball comes to Dennis and and Kanza uh, gets the block in here but Nakamba is still 10 yards away and the mm. funny thing about it here and I know this is no good for anybody who's listening to the podcast version of this you're going to have to subscribe on YouTube and give this a watch if you want to see these still shots but Nakamba actually runs towards the back post after all this happens and it's the most it's it's a mindless run it's it's as if he kind of just goes oh, oh i better run very quickly and just get past the play and he actually sprints mm -hmm. past everyone towards the back post when everything is happening towards the front post and if he was 10 yards further back where he should have been and it wasn't out of position i don't think this goal is scored because i think that dennis is under massive pressure if that's the case and i think nakamba might have been the man to stop it Goalkeeper should have done better better as it was anyway. But um it all stems from the fact that Cambo was way too far up the field. We had no we had no uh, shield in front of our back four. Target loses the ball high as well because there was an absolute acreage of space in behind him and in front of him. And once he loses the ball, we are open. And what we need to do there is we need to filter back and protect our center because Sar was going to cross that ball with John McGinn's good work, and it just didn't happen. Well, you know. We're calling out Nakamba. Needlessly, uh, Target dived in as well out on the yeah. sideline, so he needs to be That's called true. out on that. But because of Nakamba's position there, you know, me me being a full-back and knowing where the protection should be, ideally, as that ball broke, uh, Ming should have been able to see that Nakamba was coming in to cover there. But he, unfortunately, was 15, 20 yards off the pace. That meant that Mings couldn't go and block down the shot at the cross like he did for the say the second goal. That that should have been the ideal position for Mings once we were that exposed. But that didn't happen. I don't know if that didn't happen by by accident or he knew that Nakamba wasn't getting back and he needed to cover his lines. Um, yeah. I I I actually I, I think McGinn was almost the hero in this instance here. McGinn, if McGinn stops that cross, no one gives him the credit for for the work, the dog's work he did there. And we'll give him the credit, Neil. But well, I, that's I, yeah, and and it's like the amount, the work he does there to get back there. And I think, the, I think McGinn gets a lot of stick because he spends an awful lot of time trying to clean up other people's messes. And it doesn't help him because he always looks like that guy who was the last guy on the scene, you know. So it's uh, it's like, I could be wrong on that, and uh, but I really think John McGinn is uh, you know is 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 the is he's the best the best of the three midfielders that we had out in the field last day. And we're, I think we're going to need to see a little, a little bit more work out of Bundia as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. If, he, if he's going to play in that position. Like we realistically need to see see him in that picture, twenty five yards from goal. I think I think it's a if more. he's going to if if we're going to play that that midfield three, and if they are going to yeah. be a flatter midfield three, as they started off being, when Dia didn't play in the ten position, he didn't play in that attacking midfielder position. He played in a flatter midfield three at the start, and uh, and 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 he lost the ball more often than not in that first half. Let's move on there as well, because I'm conscious that you know that we're we're with, with these still shots. This is what I'm talking about here. A poor example of our spacing in, in midfield. Uh, four, 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 three, three. Once more. Um, this is at 40 minutes in the game, just leading up to the second goal. Once again, we haven't learned our lessons. Watch what we have here. We've got Kuchka up here near the center circle, all on his own. We've got Buendia. We've got Nakamba. We've got McGinn. We've got uh, we've got El Ghazi out here. So this is the way this looks. Buendia, Nakamba, McGinn, Elgazi, Ings. Ings coming to put pressure on the man with the ball here. Kuchka has a, literally a free run at our back four here. And this cannot happen. 
Where is where is our pivot man? Our pivot man should not be above our other two midfielders. Like McGinn is, for all intents and purposes, better going forward with the ball. Buendia is solely an attacking midfielder or attacking-minded midfielder. What in the name of all the Tolly is our defensive midfielder doing eight to ten yards ahead of those guys there? It just yeah. makes no sense. And I, this is why this is the one still shot that makes me believe there is no way he was told to do that in the game. No way in the world were we told, or was Marvelous Nakamba told that he needs to be that far up the field at any occasion during this game. Because look, it just leaves a massive diamond in there. All you have is a slow little ball in. You can play a slow little ball through here into Cleverly. Cleverly just spins and he's the he's the whole field here ahead of him. You've got Kuchko over this side. And if we move it on again here, we can see where we lost the ball. So we actually won the ball back in that instance, which is fine. But we did it on it and we got it into this situation here where Buendia gets closed down. But once again, the reason I showed the last still shot is it like Watford can see that. They know where all the space is, and all they have to do is just basically play to that space. Um, so look at the amount of players that we have here in this shot. We've got Maddie Cash, who's right up here. We've got Young. We've got Ings. We've got El Ghazi. We've got Buendia. All crowded out. Buendia gets crowded out, loses the ball. So we've got five players literally in their box. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have eight players plus their goalkeeper. They have nine players in this in this still shot here. 30 yards out from their goal. So we yeah. draw a lot of box. Nine players here. They have Ishmael Asar out on the left-hand side, and they have, they have Dennis. We lose the ball here. The first thing they do is they ping it out to Ishmael Asar. And Ishmael Asar has a clear track of land to run at uh, at Matt Target, who he's had, who he's basically he's ran ragged in the first half. What I'm saying here is the protection is particularly poor, and nobody was thinking about protecting Matt Target at any stage. And 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 for me, that was like, you know, yes, they were very fortunate in the way the shot goes in. But, you know, we didn't help ourselves further up the field. It was like as if we got greedy looking to get goals. There is no need for everybody to be here. There was no need for Buendia, who got a hospital pass in fairness, but there was no need for him to try and dribble through one, two, three, four, five players on the edge of the box. He gets crowded out, he falls down in the middle of the box, and we end up 2-0 two, two down. Very much so. A si it was just a silly, disjointed attacking play, I think, that one was. Yeah. And as you say, the, 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 it was a, a, no, a nothing. You know, they've got to clear that ball out of there because they're they're panicking, and it's two against five. It's two against five. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No, I I would imagine, um, Maddie Cash is a bit higher up the pitch, judging by that picture, where but, you, you would expect yeah. him to be. But yeah. so it's, it's two against four. We should we should have enough to. Uh, to crowd them out, and and let's face it, that look, you know, there was a lot of luck involved in that goal, and mm. uh, and 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 what we neglected to say about the first one is that they got quite lucky too as well with that. The ball ricocheting off uh, Esri Conza and straight back into his path. You know, there's a lot of people calling out Emmy Martinez for it. I wouldn't. He readjust. He readjusted his feet, and he was just he was just cut out. He couldn't get down to it. He did his best, but um, you know, it was a lot of luck, um, and I think that was overlooked. On, on a lot of the coverage that I saw of match of the day and and Sky Sports and whatever, um, the, the, it was like it was very similar to Yarmolenko's goal a couple of the mm. last match of the season when Jack Grealish got back to make to make the challenge and it dipped over the goalkeeper. But look, if, if we don't learn, we don't learn from these lessons. There's something wrong, Um it's just crazy crazy goals to give away at this level um we've lost our talisman these guys need need to start stepping up um sorry i've just noticed look how many catches he's up yeah. on the right he's up right up there yeah, yeah yeah he's up there he's he's up yeah. really high and and look i know look if this but when Bundia picks up this ball, look where he is. Maybe Bundia slips the ball out to Maddie Cash and we're, mm. we're talking about would it being 1-1 or something here. I can't exactly remember where these players were because they've won the ball back at this stage. Have they all converged on the ball after they've won it? I'm not 100% certain. But hindsight is 20-20 on that based on that still shot. But it's very important to see where this is because they go up the field and they score almost straight away afterwards. This is the third goal. This is what happens for the third goal. Now, this is manic altogether. The third goal was the most fortuitous goal we'll, we'll likely see against Aston Villa. It was a calamity of errors. So, first of all, first of all, Matty Cash tackles Emi Buendia, and the two of them are on the ground here. 
So what happened was the ball was played over the top. John McGinn takes the ball in, in, in into possession here. He gets a small bit out muscled. The ball comes back to this area here, just on the edge of the square, where Matty Cash is going to take the ball. I think it's either Matty Cash or Brindia. One of them is going to take the ball. And the other one of them just tackles him. And and the two of them end up on the ground. So the ball breaks loose here. We've got Danny Ings. We've got uh, we've got J uh, Jacob Ramsey. I'll, I'll move it on here. We'll see it here. So we've got McGinn, who's completely out of play, which is because he was he was doing dog's work to get in there to get the ball in the first place. We've got Ings. We've got Ramsey. We've got Cash and Buendia, where Buendia actually tackled Cash after Cash had won the ball. And we've got Nakamba lurking here on the side. Uh, here, Watford are going to get the ball back, and Watford played up towards the center circle. So when we get into this position here in the center circle, absolute madness ensues. I think it's worth noting here that Buendia knows he's done something very silly above by tackling Cash, and he busts his gut to get back in. He's the man who actually meets uh, Chucho Hernandez at the edge of the area, and he did burst his gut to get back there, which I did like to see. But when we see what happens here, We've got we've got Buendia here busting busting along to get back. Nakamba here, uh, Kuchka just in front of Nakamba actually has the ball. Nakamba goes to foul Kuchka and he he doesn't succeed. He goes in to try and tackle him and yeah. boot him well, to does, try and bring him down. Him. The referee plays play on. <laughs> If the referee was given the foul, or he did actually foul him. Yeah. The ball then squirts over here towards J towards the guy beside Jacob Ramsey, who Jacob Ramsey then tries to foul him. And then the most fortuitous thing happens is the ball just literally loops out and squirts. No one plays it. It's a tackle from Jacob Ramsey, and and the ball ricochets off the off their man up over Kanza and Mings and lands over the, the opposite side of them to where Hernandez is literally just standing on the touchline, not really wanting to get involved. Gets lucky. It's like his lucky day. He runs in on that ball. He takes it on. Buendia busts a gut to get back there, and, and Hernandez just pops it in the top corner with an absolutely fantastic finish. But the fortuitous nature of that goal due to, like, and I know Nakamba, Nakamba went to do Kuchka, but you know, do him if you're going to do him. <laughs> I'm and I know I seem like I'm getting, I'm going in on Nakamba here, but like I thought, I thought he kind of half failed to foul him, um, because he knew he wasn't going to win the ball, and it was just so fortuitous that when it comes back here to Ramsey, it ricochets up over, and they get a free run in. Although we, Bobby, we did get players back, there was still a fantastic finish, but. My God, like three, three nil down in that instance was was for me like you could. There's an element to look to all three of our goals, but my God, do we not help ourselves? And the biggest issue for me, and the reason that I'm so annoyed that I'm talking here, is that every single one of those goals you could foretell how well, especially the first two, you could foretell how open Matt Target was based on how um how ill disciplined our midfield was, and that's not on. And and but the long and the short of it is, Paddy, I think. That's why I think it's fixable over the next 24, 48 hours on the training field because it's very simple. We go back to playing that pivot, man, and, and two of those goals don't happen. I'm very, very confident of that. I think so. I, I just the, Some of the positional, like, even if you look at that last picture there, that, that goal should have been avoidable from, from, from where we're at. you got Konza and Mings over there on that side, and somehow it ends up with Buendia back there. When, when maybe Kanza should have taken responsibility and, and made an attempt at it. Who knows? Look, it's uh, we, we're, we're probably overdoing it a little bit on, on the camber and, you know, so be it. It's, it's not something we'd normally do, Neil, but I think, no, I think, but I think you're right. It, had to, it has to be said, and we've probably let Matt Target off the hook a little bit. And the reason I'm letting him off the hook a little bit is because I doubt he should have started in the first place. Yeah, let's let's not let him off the hook. He was skinned for the two goals, and and look, he's going to say the exact same thing. And we're not looking to sell any of these players. It's one game no, out of no. thirty eight. We're talking that this is why the game happened, you know. And I'm sure that Dean Smith is going to Marius Nakamba and to my target. Listen, I don't dislike you. I'm not going to bomb you out of the squad. I'm not going to have a hate campaign against you for the next thirty seven games. But I'm going to tell you, you didn't play very well, and you didn't do do your job uh, with great discipline. Yeah. I think if Nakamba does his job with great discipline, he's in, a, he's in a position to help both fullbacks. That's what your defensive midfielder should be able to do. Should be able to drop into center into a center back position, so the center backs can maybe funnel funnel across. You saw earlier in the very very first um, slide that I showed. I'll bring it up again there. The very first slide I showed here. This is this is killer. Like look how open our, our center halves had to be because. They had to try and get out to, to Matty Target. And even how the big distance between these two centre halves here, 
Tyrone Mings still couldn't open up that gap any further than he did to get out to Matt Target. So we're ta- what I'm talking about here is if Nakamba is, is more disciplined and able to filter in, in there and between there to always make it a back three like Douglas Louise does sometimes, mm-hmm. um, Tyrone Mings is able to get out there a small bit quicker because he's not lacking for pace. But it just didn't happen. And and the, the more disciplined your defensive midfielder is and the more they're able to kind of read the game as opposed to being an interceptor of the ball... Um, the, and Douglas Louise is very good at that. Um, the better our fullbacks will be able to to be at going further forward, and we need them to go forward. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't go forward, but if they do, you can't just leave the house open at home. And that's what we did, and it was very, it was very kind of um, easily exploited, just like just like Brighton did against us last year. Um, in when they when they won against us two one, uh, they left Danny Welbeck outside on the wing, just like Leeds United did against us last year. They just left uh, Jack Harrison, and they didn't need to think what they were doing. They could just play the ball out there because they knew that our midfield would have gone forward, and we arrested that towards the end of the season. And we played well against the better teams because we were able to play the, the, the these triangles, these triangles being set up correctly so that we can, you know, get out to players when we need to. And this one here without without Grealish, where Louise Louise was actually a small bit further deep against Everton when we beat them two one as well. So I think we go back to a midfield setup of something like this, where Luis does drop uh, comes in, drops a small bit deeper. We see there's less of a gap between the two boys here, and then we can uh, we see things move a small bit more fluidly here. Oh, I need to take I, I I need to take my blood pressure after that because I kind of worked myself up in the middle. Marvelous Nakamba, I apologize if you feel I went in too hard and you're there. I didn't mean it. It's just a small bit of criticism, um, constructive criticism. I know you're a good player. We sang your praises an awful lot last season. We we're going to tell you when you know maybe you wrote a position. And all I want to know is, and you can write me a letter if you need to, um, or you can send me a DM. Were you told to play the way that you played on Saturday, as in going so far forward? Because that's what irked me as much as anything else. Paddy, let's draw a line on Watford and let's move on. I just felt I needed to get that out of my system. We'll be doing more of these tactical breakdowns and games as well uh, over the course of the season. I think this is very cathartic for me anyway. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters because, you know, as long as I'm happy. I think it would be remiss of us to, to draw a line under it at this stage. I think we need to give a couple of special mentions. I thought Jacob Ramsey did very well when he came yeah. on. Uh, yep. I thought he finished the game very well. I thought John McGinn was excellent, as always. <clears throat> um, we saw we saw a, a shining light in Leon Bailey coming on. Yes, I thought, he, I thought you know it shows great promise. Danny Ings, I thought, did very well, um, doing the job that he's used to, not the Ollie Watkins job, as I referred to earlier. And I'm perfectly okay with that. That's why we bought him. Um, I thought Ashley Young did very well, and. Last but not least, I thought our old mate Bertie did quite well when he came on. Mm-hmm. He just gave us a little bit extra to, to to help open them up. So the one thing I'm left with, if it is a positive from the weekend, is there's plenty there to go and change games. Yeah. So um we we just we just have to get it right on the pitch because we, we can't go and chase a game at 3-0 down because it, as we've seen, it's virtually impossible. You look, you look at the Southampton game last year, and and you know they're they're nearly they're nearly identical for me. That's all I could visualize when when this was happening at the weekend. But the players are there now. We we were probably a couple of players short, and I've no doubt that they're trying to get those in, and mm. hopefully that will be done. But I think with what we have at the moment, there's enough there to frighten the best of defenses in this league. It's just we did too much. To recover this time, and it, it hopefully won't won't be in that. We we looking back at this fixture as the one blood on our copy book, copy book because I've no problem losing one nil or two one, but being three nil down is an absolute disaster in this league. Yeah, absolutely, and you're dead right. The players that you call out there are definite plus points. Um, I said in the Villa view, and I actually do believe it, even though I. Now you burst the blood vessel at times there, raising my voice talking about that. Um, I do believe that if that game went on for an extra five to seven to ten minutes, um, and I know games are 90 minutes and there's a reason they're 90 minutes, but if it goes on for an extra 10 minutes, I think we drop that game because I think we had Watford figured out at that stage. It just took it, but we brought on two players of immense skill and unpredictability in Leon Bailey and Bertrand Troy, and both of them got the assist for the goals. If you want to count Bertrand being fouled yeah. as an assist as well. And I think Bertrand Troy was, had, had him and Knotts on that wing um, had, had the, the, 
the left back, I think it was a cat cart on, on that Ma- wing. I think he had him in knots. Messina, Messina, Messina was the guy who took him down. Messina. Yeah, yeah, Messina, sorry. So, yeah, that's why I think it's fixable, Paddy. As I say, I think it's fixable. You pl- you fix those midfield three, I think everything else will work okay around it. Yeah. But it's pivotal, and we I, I do think we need another midfielder for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll probably... Well, regardless of whether we see one coming in this week, it'll be Douglas Louise next weekend. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll, we'll probably see a more defensive mind bearing in mind with Newcastle did yesterday, but we will get to that later in the week. We have a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to get rid of this for a moment. I want to share a couple of comments there, guys, because uh got into the zone with things there. So, uh, so apologies about that. Um. John Steele pops up. Bundia may not have been fit, but he shouldn't have been playing in the middle. Put him on the right and put Chukmueke in the middle against Newcastle. Uh, I, I I don't think we see Chukmueke start against Newcastle. I think we see McGinn higher up. Or sorry, I think yeah, I think we see yeah. Actually, I think we probably do, and I think we see Bundia start on the right hand side with Bertie being the impact sub coming on. But I certainly don't think I don't think we see um I don't think we see Al Ghazi, and I think we see Ashley Young at left back. Um, Liam Bailey and for Algazi and Ashley Young at left back and I think maybe take Max Target out of the firing line let him get fit if it is a case where he, yeah. and everybody seems to be saying he wasn't fit and that could very well be the case if he wasn't fit take him out of the firing line and let Ashley Young um, Ashley Young in there and I, I think that's uh, that's definitely something that we could see um, another person there saying that Target shouldn't play clearly not fit Young should play at left back I, I, I think maybe that might be what, what the situation was yeah. Farrell says McGinn is not a defensive midfielder. Second half, Dino pushed McGinn forward in midfield and scored a goal. Second season in a row, McGinn being played out of position. Time to take the shackles off. I agree. I think McGinn is, I, I said it there a moment ago, I think McGinn spends a lot of time trying to um, trying to, to, to save the day and trying to be a hero. Um, and I don't want to take that out of his game, but I'd, I'd love if he did it a small bit further forward. Um, for sure. Absolutely. For, for sure. Um, JF says didn't realize our XG was so much higher than theirs. Yeah, I, I think it it stems from the fact that their three goals were all from uh, well, bar the first one, and, and that came from uh, like there were so many people back. Their their uh, their second goal was a deflected uh, a deflected shot, which would uh, from a crazy angle, which would mean their XG is low on that one. And the one from Chucho Hernandez was a worldly. Like there, I'd say probably one in. One in eighty or ninety of those ones going, you know. So it's a case of uh, how difficult the the shot was, how difficult the scoring opportunity was from the position it was played in the field, how many players were back there, and stuff like that. So uh, XG is not a good marker of how well a team played at all. It's a marker of how many good goals I suppose were really scored, how many chances were created, as opposed to how many worldies were scored in the game. And um, but it's still it's 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 a very relative relative statistic if you are looking to see how many statistics were or how many chances were created. It's probably better if you look at the XG from the point of view of player on player. So if a, a player has a better XG uh, has a better goal rate than their XG, that's probably good. But from a team point of view, it's very difficult to translate it and um, from what actually happens from a team point of view into actual reality. I think I think an awful lot with xg um, somebody somebody called me out there on the the four shots on target and um, he, he seems to think the the shot that nearly knocked out danny ings was on target but uh didn't see a good i don't miss that it. one i don't <laughs> miss that one yeah 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 um can Ings play? Can Ings play in that triangle? Uh, it would be more of a four-four-two with him, wouldn't it? Which it would, which it wouldn't be like. I think you're probably talking about uh, the triangle where we have Barkley at the top or McGinn at the top. I think McGinn, uh, Ings or, or Watkins, if both of them are to play in the same team, will have to play in that. I, I, I don't, guys, I, I do not see a four-four-two at any stage this season. Yeah, I, think, uh, I, I, think I, he, I think he plays that Barkley role if if we choose to play that. But I think it would probably need to be a four, two, three, one, with Ings just sitting in behind. That makes sense. Four, two, three, yeah. one. Yeah, with the like like we played for a lot of last season, but with uh with with Mings, Ings basically playing up very close to, um when when we have the ball playing very close to Watkins and we lose the ball. I could see it more, more of, and I'm going to be pedantic as I suppose, as opposed to four four two. I could see more of a four four one one or four a four two three one uh, situation, as you said there. But I don't think we play an outright four four two with two men right up top. Um, 
I, I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. Uh, but there's no, not nothing in 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 history or nothing to date has has led me to believe that Dean Smith ever wants to play a four four two. And uh, I, I don't know. As I say, I'm not I'm not against it. I just don't think we see it. Um, Rob Henry says, uh, "Should Ramsey have started in the Dougie position?" Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, I suppose. And that one, when he came into the, he came into midfield, like he was on for six minutes. He was our best player. He had a shot. He had a cross uh, that nearly went in. Um, he got in or got around the field. First couple of minutes, he was on. He was, you know, he was he injected a small bit of pace and impetus into that midfield. Um, but should he have started in the Dougie position? Maybe so. I, I, I'm not quite sure. He's a six sider himself, no, but uh, I liked what I saw from him when he came on. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that that's a suitable position for for Jacob. I think uh, I think where we play him is probably where he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting one as well. Don't call this a one-off. We're honest. We've seen this type of performance many times under Smith. It's not familiar. I think it's unfair to say we've seen this performance under Smith. I think we've seen this performance before. From Aston Villa, we yeah. called it out. We said it against Brighton last season and against Leeds. We've seen this, but it's so not. Uh, it's not many times. I don't think we've seen. I, and even against, against Southampton, I don't think it was even like this against Southampton. I just think their their formation completely bamboozled us, like it did to a lot of teams last season. Until we until teams got them under control towards the end of the season. But I, I think it's unfair to say we've seen it many times. But we have seen it before, for sure, and I do agree with you on that one. And it's not a one-off because, uh, as I say, Leeds and 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 Brighton did it to us last year as well. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, and, and I agree with you ninety percent of what you said there, which is good. That's a nice compromise. Um, this is an interesting one. Defense sat too deep. Welsh Woody says defense sat too deep. I, I'd like to actually look back and see if that's the case. I I think. Uh, I think probably our centre halves sat too deep. Maybe, yeah, 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 I would agree. But that's an interesting point. Maybe this doesn't come about if we play a higher line, but maybe they didn't want to play a higher line with Ishmael Asar and they were, they were, um, you're, you're, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I, I'm not too sure, but really interesting point. I can't, I can't answer that one for certain because I wasn't really looking out for it, I think. But uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see it. Yeah, I, did, um, I, didn't, I didn't see anything with the two centre halves to suggest that that was the case. Um, our, our fullback certainly didn't uh, sit too deep for me. There was, there was. I, I guess he's probably alluding to the fact that there was such a, a gap between our, our midfielders and our defenders. I, I don't know, but we certainly weren't pushing them well into the other half, as we saw on on the main one there. I think when when Dia went down, the two boys were well back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Paddy, what do you think? We pack the bags, say goodbye to the families, and just go over and do what do what Aston Villa need us to do. Which one are you? <laughs> oh, I'll be Richard O'Kelly. I've got the I've got the grey beard. You can be uh, you can be John Terry. You're you're the marauding uh, the, the marauding defender. I'll be Richard O'Kelly. I just only, only he's about a foot taller than me. <laughs> yeah, well that's okay too. John Terry's a foot taller than me too as well. So uh, to, uh, I just think I'd do a better Richard O'Kelly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should be nice to everybody, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's it. Um, this is a good point as well from Thomas. Yeah, and I think that's what we missed. Uh, Post lockdown, Dougie really was patrolling the D, uh, played the pivot perfectly, and we just didn't have that yesterday. We were too open in the middle, um, and then Neil Edwards comes in in this one. Tagger couldn't deal with his pace. Absolutely couldn't deal with with Sarah's pace. I think I think it would have been we would have made it easier for ourselves if we had that midfielder, that that side to side midfielder, almost like a George Boateng if we can go back that far, that kind of crab player who just moved from side to side and, and just kept that ball moving. And um, we didn't like it at the time. Some fans didn't like it at the time when we had Boateng there, but I would have killed for a Boateng there today, uh, there uh, against Watford yesterday. Somebody who could just get back and forth across the field, sideline to sideline, help out the fullbacks. It's 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 very important to have that midfielder who can do that, who can close in to try and stop a so that a, um, a, a fullback can actually use the sideline as an almost an extra defender. You hear about it in rugby an awful lot, but it happens in soccer. You show them down the line, and at least that way, then he goes down toward for a cross. You can allow him come in to come inside, and even target was damned if he did, damned if he didn't there, and he had no way to show him. So once he was turned, he, he his body position was completely, um, it was it was completely wrong, and he couldn't get back to 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 get to him. Not that he was going to get to him anyway, because of the pace that Sar has. Um, 
Ba-ba-bam. Oh, I'm after losing. I'm after losing where we were there. Uh, just coming down through these. Um, oh, interesting. Troy out now for four weeks after an injury against Liverpool. There was Liverpool friendly yesterday. Did you hear about that, Paddy? I didn't hear about any Liverpool behind closed doors friendly. Uh, a couple of people said it today, all right, but I hadn't heard anything about it. Uh, and there was no official word on Traore either. Very strange that they played Liverpool yesterday. A day after playing Watford? It, w- it w- must have played an awful lot of young people in that game or getting players up to speed. I don't know. I don't Honestly, know. can't see how uh, how someone would take that risk at this time of year. I think it's it's too late for that. Look, what do we know? What do we know is right, yeah. We don't we don't know any details. Like I I I wouldn't like to start castigating any like there are sports scientists there who are going to be able to tell us the situation with mm. people, depending on what the injury was, if it's a knock, if whatever it is. But uh yeah. these I, guys I are think if we've, got, if we've got important players picking up injuries in games like that, there's probably a lot of questions that need to be answered. That, that's just my opinion on it. Mm. Interesting one. Interesting. Stephen Bride says here, do we think we see Axe in the midfield against Newcastle? Shield, shield the centre-backs. Um, I don't, but I don't discount the fact that we might see Axel in a back three at some stage. Yeah. Uh, this I'd, actually, I'd actually like to see him in a back three at some stage. And you yeah. know what? If we're ever going to play a back three, maybe it is against Newcastle to play a back five. So <laughs> gives our yeah. full-backs the, the license to roll on. So th- I, th- I think that's the only way we'd see Axel in this in, in this team this weekend um john Steele says uh i i can't quite see like he's alluding to a player but i can't quite figure out which player john Steele wants us to wants us to um to buy but he says we badly need a Sanderberger type player maybe Sanderberger, actually Sanderberger. i i can't quite tell tell if you're trying to tell us to buy <laughs> Sanderberger there john but uh a big strapping lad he is Slow as a wet week over the ground, but a big strapping lad, and uh, I think hampered by injuries last season. And um, I think he's better than what he showed against Sheffield United. Whether he's the type of player Aston Villa need, I'm not sure. I think he goes to a team in in if he goes to a team in Italy, he absolutely eats it up out there and becomes a star. Um, mm-hmm. But in in the Premier League, uh, I'd like to see a small bit more of him. But I know all as, as sure as anything, he's not going to play Championship football for too long. I don't think. Uh, he will get uh, he will get moved on. Um, that's kind of it, Paddy. I'm 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 not too sure that I that there's uh you know that there's um actually Owen says here that the that the four one uh, lost to to Liverpool in in a friendly was in an article about Henderson signing a new deal. Really, it's an interesting one. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll have to see what the story is there. If there's any injury report on him, we'll see. Mm. To me, it's probably one we could have done without. I just don't get the psychology behind that one. We've got we've got a game the weekend. We've got the midweek game next week. Um, so there's a lot to consider to, to, to throw in another game like that to get game time for people. I don't know. And Liverpool would have played the late game. Liverpool played the late game, didn't they, on Saturday? Yeah, so they they would have been playing a mixture of youngsters, obviously as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll have to give us more information on it now if we picked up injuries. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's we'll have to see. Sure. We'll have to see for sure. We'll, Paddy, we'll, how yeah, how did our loan crew do? I'm kind of I've kind of grown bored of talking about our first team after that. <laughs> well, uh, not not as good as last week. Um, our roving reporter Ben reckons that it ate us to no. A. Casanodi had a bit of a stinker at the weekend. He let in four goals for Sporting uh, Bromsgrove and uh, they were beaten 4-0. Uh, Louis Barry played 66 minutes before being taken off in Ipswich 2-1 win against Burton. Um, Kane Kessler played 90 minutes, a full 90 minutes. Unfortunately, in the 90th minute, he got sent off in uh, Swindon's 2-1 loss to Carlisle, who incidentally, Carlisle signed Brad Young today on loan. Good yes. luck to him. I hope he gets plenty of uh, game time. Uh, Indiana Vasilev, uh, rewarded for his goal last week, play, started the game against uh, New York City FC. Uh, they lost 2-0 and he lasted 64 minutes. Um, Seb Revan played a preseason game for Grimsby. Very hard to get information on it. Seems like he played the full the full game. And the one we co- I couldn't find last week, Finazaz, 
played 90 minutes for Newport against Mansfield and they were beaten 2-1. How did Louis Barry get on? Did I tune on for Louis Barry? Louis Barry played 66 minutes before being subbed off in a 2-1 loss to Burton. I'm not too worried about, I think, because look, look, a lot of people are looking at Louis Barry. I'm not too worried if he's not scoring goals. It's about getting used to running <laughs> lines against men. And, yeah. uh, and look, football. big boys football, yeah. Look, he's under a good guy there and Paul Cook. Um, Paul Cook managed there in the League of Ireland as well, and he did did great great stuff there. He's uh, honing his talent at the lower leagues there as well, you know. Uh, he wouldn't have left Wigan only for the fact that Wigan were in financial uh, turmoil, I think. And... Um, He's rocked up at Ipswich. If I'm not mistaken, did he take over from Paul Lambert? Or was there somebody in between? There may have been somebody in between. So um, he's he's a good coach. I think he's going to coach him up the right way. And I think that they've, uh, look, I'm I'm not expecting him to get 10 goals for Ipswich this season. But if he does, uh, fair play to him. And remember, he's only 18 years of age, Louis Barry as well. Um, He's going to learn how to run lines against against defenders and people who aren't backing their pace, people are going to body check him. He doesn't get that at youth football. Um doesn't get, you know, that that kind of nous um and, and experience uh, at youth football. So, you know, if, if he scores six goals and comes back, if he scores five goals and comes back, it's all about the experience of learning. Mm. In other news we signed Kenny Chuck Moeka's brother today, Caleb yes. from Northampton. For an undisclosed fee, twenty years of age, I believe, uh, the older brother of Carney. So, uh, good luck to him. It'd be interesting to see where he fits in and, and where he's going to play. Um, so, good luck to him, and we wish him a great future along with his brother. Good luck uh, getting C Chuck Moeka on your jersey because it's going to be C. It can't even be C A. Can it? Because they're both C A. Yeah. <laughs> Carney and Caleb. That's what it's going to be. That, that will make life a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I already see that the that the chants are out there for the Colo and the Aya Tour chant has been rewritten to the Carney and the Caleb chant <laughs> now. So uh, hopefully we get to see that. Um, I think we'll see Caleb Chuck Mueca in, um, in, in to probably like he's probably going to come in, probably take Brad Jung's position there at the top of uh, the strike force for the in the Premier League too, and see what happens. Uh, he only got a couple of goals for Northampton, but he was in and out of the team. And um, there seems to be a small bit of acrimony between how he left Northampton. There seems to be a feeling that he his head was turned and that his dad seems to think that he's much better than he is. But look, that's a scorned lover talking about uh, about uh, how K- how Caleb uh, Chukmuek is. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in a Villa shirt. He's 19 years of age. We have him for a couple of years, and uh, we'll see if he can progress through our youth setup. I think it's uh, he he's one of the guys who has. The, the big boy football experience already. Let's see if he can bang him in now Premier League 2 level and, and just get used to kind of honing his finishing at that level as well. Absolutely. Oh, don't do it to me, Holt Ender. Do not do it to me. I heard Louis Barry is very open to playing for Republic of Ireland, but I had no contact from the... Ev- <laughs> don't do that to us. <laughs> Louis Barry did play for he the did. Republic of Ireland. When he, he was younger, and chose yeah. chose to go and play for England, so yeah, I, I I'd imagine that's why there's no contact from the FAI, not not because they chose not to, maybe they've given up the ghost or they were told to give up the ghost, um, I think that ship has sailed when when they play at an older age level for England, I think the ship has sailed, but you're right, there is there is a lot of Irish connections in this family, yeah. Just before I go there, guys, um. I have, uh, and, and I think we're, we're on over an hour, Paddy, so apologies if I'm wrapping this up. Um, the Great Villa Sleepout is on, um, is coming up, I think it's on the 8th of October, and and a couple of uh, fantastic guys are going to be doing the Sleepout. Um, Kieran, uh, Kieran O'Callaghan is going to be doing it, guys, and I'm going to tweet out uh, in a moment um, later on. Uh, if anybody wants to sponsor somebody, there's there's far like there's loads of people who are doing it who are worthy of a sponsorship, but very few of them as worthy as Kieran O'Callaghan. He's a deadly guy, great, great um friend of the show here. He's B six Ben's dad, in case you don't know who he is, but um very big in in Villa Twitter and for also for raising for great causes. So if you have anything spare and you're looking to uh, sponsor somebody, give Kieran a shout. You'll see his uh, you'll see it. I'll tweet it out there um in a while. Paddy, I think that does us for tonight. It's 10 o'clock. We let people go to bed. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they have their uh, 
installment on Monday night football. <laughs> there was no uh, live games on Monday enough. night, which, yeah. which is a bit strange for the Premier League being back. So, uh, hope you all, uh, hope you all enjoyed the last hour. I actually enjoyed looking at uh, how you broke it down, Neil, and fair play. And guys, if you if you like that or whatever, will you give just retweet the original post or whatever? See if people want to see it. I'd like to know if if people think it's a lot of tosh, then you know we won't put it together. If people like it, we'd like to do this because I really enjoy this stuff anyway. Uh, you know, trying to trying to look back to it, and I must say, Villa TV is an absolute treasure trove this season, and and I'm really loving what they've done. And you know, the club have really really gotten this one right. It's an A plus 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 for me uh, on what they've done this season. So if you like it, go find the original post where I pop this up. Give it a like, give it a retweet, and and get it out there. And we'll see if uh, we'll see if people actually like us doing this. And if they do, well, hey, we'll continue to do it because I had a ball putting it together. Right, yo, on that bombshell, or not a bombshell, on that uh, ask for help. Um, I think we're going to leave it there, guys. Um, thanks so much, as I said, to everybody for listening and for watching. Um, and thanks very much, Paddy, for. Uh, Paddy is is away at the moment with work, and and I thank you very much for for popping on when uh, I'm sure you've got other things to, that that you could be doing. Um, since you're away, uh, uh, you're away at the moment. Apologies for the background because I'm sure people don't want to see the bed, but uh, unfortunately, it's the only place I could get Wi-Fi in this apartment, so. I'm sorry for that, but you have to look at the bed in the background. <laughs> you're absolutely fine. I don't have a problem with it anyway, Paddy. Um, as long as you're not, as long as you're not doing the podcast from bed, we'll be okay. <laughs> I've actually got uh, three or four messages there on on WhatsApp from people that are watching, asking me what's wrong with my eye. So the eagle eyes out there, seeing that one eye is. I didn't drooping. spot it. I think I got uh, some hand sanitizer into it somehow or another but that seemed to be the general consensus of what happened when i went for medical attention today so the uh, the clue is in the name petty it's hand sanitizer oh i know um, i know <laughs> just just sorry just in case you didn't you weren't you weren't sure yeah. uh, I, cer I certainly didn't rub it into my eye i was out there and that was another story <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much guys thanks a million for everybody for listening please like and subscribe and share the podcast all around the place if you can we'd really appreciate it it costs you nothing and it really really helps us out we're going to be back on probably thursday night i would say with a preview of the game against uh game against newcastle and we're going to try and make it a regular thursday night preview monday night review show and do this on a, on a monday night with uh, a post-match immediate reaction afterwards for maybe 10-15 minutes i might do that one solo um or we might get some guests on for that we'll see what this situation is um but listen we'll be coming with loads of content and we hope you all enjoy it thank you so much for everything you do for the podcast really really appreciate it gonna leave it at that and all that's really left to say guys is thanks so much and up the villa up the villa <laughs>